on today's issue of Homo Superior, it's subtitled, baby. It is Japanese actors speaking Japanese to one another. And when you hear English, most of the time it's actually Portuguese because it deals with like the Portuguese settlers. What does that mean? Meaning like when you... (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time when you hear English, it's actually Portuguese. Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Welcome to Homo Superior, the only podcast based in Moira's eighth life. I'm Kaylin, issue 220. I'm Clark. And I'm Brent Wingate. This week, Mutant Madness X-Men's Wear is well underway. And finally, you get to turn the male gaze back on them. But your gaze is an optic blast of fashion judgment. And speaking of men, it's a big week for women due to a Marvel one-shot announcement and some positive comments mentioned by Gail Simone. Plus, Magneto is back. Kalen sure seems to think so when it comes to this week's issues, among other thoughts he has. And as always, plugs. But first, housekeeping. You know it. We talk about it all the goddamn time on this podcast. We stopped being about the X-Men and our strictly Madam Web podcast. Check out our review. Listen to it. Share it with your friends. Try. Share with your enemies. Yeah. Especially Uh, your enemies. Technically, you're supposed to wear earplugs while you listen to it (laughs) Uh, because it can cause spider madness in people. (laughs) Um, Also, if you're in D.C. this upcoming weekend, the weekend of March 8th, through the 10th for Awesome Con, or you're just around in general, uh, we are hosting an event at Trade Bar in on 14th Street. It's called House of X2, uh, X, uh, House of Gay X-Men United. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll be at, uh, at Trade, I think it starts at like 10-ish, right? Yeah, or 9 or 10 on uh, Saturday, March 9th. What do we got going on? So uh, this is uh, an unofficial Awesome Con event. Awesome Con is the big comic book and sci-fi convention here in D.C. Uh, this is our second year doing this event at Trade. Uh, I am going to be DJing it. This is Kalen. We have uh, performances by drag queens extraordinaire Demanda Martini and Dax! Exclamation Point. You probably remember Dax from an early season of RuPaul. When we're partnering with Geeks Out, the folks who uh, have organized FlameCon, an event that we go to every year, as well as our friends at Uncanny Experience, the unofficial X-Men con that happens in Minneapolis. So they're going to be here as well. So if you're in the DMV area, if you are uh, coming to Awesome Con, definitely come to House of X. There's no cover. And so when you show up, if you've got great cosplay, you're going to be loved. It doesn't matter if it's X-related. You could be dressed as a one-piece or a two piece uh, or a three piece. You can come in however many pieces you want, <laughs> which I think is a character in the show. Uh, it's it's just going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And there's going to be some if you're into men, probably some sexy men wearing superhero outfits. So if you've oh, got a fetish, yeah. it's a perfect place to live out that fantasy. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you all can make it. Uh, we've got one more bit of housekeeping. We have an extra issue coming out next week uh, on uh, Marvel's new Ultimate Universe. We're going to be start to, starting to cover the Ultimate books uh, starting next week with Ultimate X-Men number one uh, by Peach Momoko. And so listen for that. We're doing a little catch up with all the Ultimate books thus far. A lot of people are comparing it to Age of X-Men in terms of quality and uh, storyline. Kaylin, why do you agree so much with that sentiment? 
Um, lies, lies, more and more House of Lies. Great. All right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some real stuff. Mutant Madness. Yeah. All right. So last year it was She's Got the Look. Uh, this year it's X-Men's Wear. Yep. Mutant Madness is here, y'all. And it started this week. You can vote for your favorite looks for Cyclops, Bishop, Wolverine, and Angel via our Twitter, which is Homosphere X, and or Instagram, Homosphere Podcast. And that's the great thing. You can vote more than once. It's Chicago rules, baby. You can go to each platform and vote for your favorite look. I don't. I, I don't love encouraging people to vote more than once, but I think that they should. <laughs> so you're encouraging people now. What are the more than once? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So far, the following looks have gone up against each other. So for Cyclops, we had Krakoa Cyclops versus Honeymoon Cyclops. So Krakoa Cyclops is what he was basically wearing in the Hickman and post-Hickman era for most of the time. And uh, the Honeymoon Cyclops, if you're confused, don't worry, so are we. This was a very short-lived outfit that he wore right after he and Jean Grey got married in the mid-'90s. It's safe to say that Krakoa Cyclops won overwhelmingly. And then for Bishop, we had... Well, wait, wait. Before we... Sorry. Okay. I mean, let's talk about those looks, right? Yeah, sure. Talk talk about the looks. Okay, so the Krakoa look for uh, Cyclops was... It's all blue. It's shades of blue with the red visor. Yeah. Uh, How did you guys feel about this look in general? Any thoughts? It's great. I like it. This was my favorite one when we did ranking earlier this month. Uh, I think it's a beautiful design. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite favorite Cyclops, but it's a very good one, and I would not be unhappy if it went all the way. Is it just because it's missing some of Cyclops' iconic yellow? I think that's where it lacks a little bit for me. Um, I think it is a variation on some other looks that I like a little bit better, like his revolutionary look, uh, as well as his utopia look. But it's it's very good. It's a very good, nice, streamlined outfit that... Once you see it, oh, that is iconically Cyclops. Okay, so the honeymoon Cyclops look, it is a, it's a, it's a one, it's a leotard type outfit where his face is almost fully covered in the the suit. He's got gold segments on his shoulders and this double gold belt. Why? Why do you think this is so atrocious? Uh, it is the epitome of what people think about for the excess of the '90s. It's too busy. There's too many pieces. It does the the bare arms. As much as I love seeing hot arms on a guy, it just doesn't work for Cyclops. If I don't know. It, it if just it fe- didn't have the visor, I would not know this was a Cyclops costume. Uh, I feel like it's formless in a way that's like hugging his body. Like yeah, you've made no choices. You could buy this on like some cheap Chinese fashion website where they like sell you leotards like there's no yeah design. no it's definitely like uh it is an instagram ad geared towards gay men right before they go on vacation to puerto vallarta it's all too spherical for me like everything's too bulbous and just chunky <laughs> i can't stand it it's like you know when you see like art art classes and stuff where they tell you to like draw big circles first and oh, then, yeah. then you start adding from there that's yeah. all it looks like to me i can see the big circles and how they've been created the, from the only benefit is that that emphasizes his bulge which is why he's called Honeymoon Cyclops. But yes. <laughs> it doesn't emphasize it. That shit's so small. Mm. I I don't know. I mean, the shading I'm seeing here. No. It looks like it's got depth. His, his legs are too big for that. Mm. Also, right. his little foot. Look at his little foot. 
teensy tiny. It's a little floppy, yeah. nothing. It's kind of like Layfield drew it, but Layfield didn't draw it. Uh, all right, let's move on to Bishop. So we had Red Bishop, which is um, when he joined the Hellfire Trading Company in Marauders, versus the Ultimate Bishop look. And I completely forgot about Ultimate Bishop till Clark reminded me mm-hmm. just the other day. He didn't exist in the Ultimate X-Men universe or Ultimate X-Men li- uh, comic until really, really late. Uh, like right Issue bef- 76, and it ended at 100. Yeah, so like the last couple of years of Ultimate X-Men, where a lot of people like myself weren't reading anymore. Um, Red Bishop won very easily. Uh, Ultimate Bishop, not so great. But um, what do you all think about these two looks? Brent, I'll start with you. You know, Bishop's, I think, Achilles heel in this can be his handkerchief because while it is iconic, it's just a fucking triangle. It's a piece of fabric. I think this look actually looks great because... There's a little bit. You of mean the red bishop? The look. red bishop look. Yeah. Because it has the tassels that give it a little bit of form and uh, add texture. Some, it adds some finesse to an otherwise, I would say, kind of like, hey, oh, is this just like a jumper? Are you going to go for a run type look? Yeah. I just like the red on red on red that's going on there. I think it just works, and. Um, you know, when Marauder started, when, you know, uh, Kate became the Red Queen and you had black, white, and red, of course Bishop was going to be her bishop, her red bishop. And it just, like, makes sense. I just think, even though he kind of resisted it early in the comic, it's just a really good look. Ultimate Bishop looks like Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like the fact that he is an old bishop. Like, he is the the cornrows are gray hair because yeah. he's, like, 60-something years old and oh. in the future. But I don't like the fact that half of his shirt is just skin tone. Yeah. I, there's no rhyme or reason choice. for it to exist that way. It's Well, I'll tell you what. It's consistent with everything we've seen thus far and we will see soon. The ultimate looks from the first run of ulti- Ultimate Marvel Comics are pretty lazy costumes. They're just <laughs> yeah. very early 2000s. Let's just put, you know make it look more like a uniform or make it look more like um, military like, garb. Yeah, like, are you in a music video from 2003? Yes, they are. It's like, I just give it a fisheye lens, right? So as we're talking right now, all of you are voting on uh, two Wolverine looks and two angel looks. So quickly for Wolverine, you've got the uh, classic brown and tan look people love it it's fantastic it's a love it uh not to tip the scales but it is my favorite wolverine look uh versus uh one that people don't love as much uh the savage wolverine look as designed by joe moderera in the mid 90s fucked up loses his (laughs) nose part i mean it's like it's like pirate primate like it's it's i don't really understand what's happening with it (laughs) pyrite mate pyrite mate (laughs) yes yeah uh, but clearly, right now, uh, it'd be I'd be shocked if the brown and tan look lost. It's so far in the lead. It's so like ninety percent, ninety five percent, something. Insane. Well, I want to know the five percent. Who are the five percent voting for Savage There's Wolverine? All, all three of these so far have been ninety to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, what's the who's the spoiler candidate in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, and then for Angel, we've got uh, Angel's Archangel look, like right uh, after um, Apocalypse got through with him. Gross. Uh, versus uh, Ultimate Angel, uh, who, I mean, don't get me wrong, is a fuckable pretty boy, but Archangel's look is just so iconic, and Ultimate Angel's look is so bleh. It's awful. Uh, that hair is fucked up. I, I kind of like the hair. I don't think... 
I appreciate the choice of the long gold glove for Ultimate Angel, but I it just doesn't work. You know, uh, it's it's a hot guy just wearing like angel wings on Halloween and yeah. saying this is my costume. Great. Like like oh, there's you know, Victoria's Secret released uh, the male version of their, Yeah, the bro. Uh, and you're like, cool. Uh, this is going to go away pretty soon, I think. I don't like it just seems like top of woman's one piece bathing suit. Yeah, very much so. I kind of like the gender bending of it now like i mean this is obviously from the early 2000s but uh now you would see you know guys wearing this because they or gay guys especially wearing this because they don't care as much about gender norms but that doesn't make it a good costume but I, don't, I don't feel like like if he was wearing this and was a little bit more femme or a little bit more ambiguous in the look i think it would pull off more in this case it looks like when we you know look at movies from the 70s and 80s and we're like wow those guys all dressed really feminine today but they also look like they would kick your ass for being queer yeah this does not look like a very welcoming person he's about He's got dip in his mouth and he's calling you faggot yeah, while he's doing like, that. It looks like like eighties mu- muscle beach gay. Yeah, like bully especially. Yeah. Like and it like oh, yeah, Revenge kicked, of the Nerds. Like, yeah, movie. I suck dick, but I'm gonna step on yours. And you're like, what? What? Yes, sir. Okay. Thanks, exists, Daddy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait. Never mind. Yeah. All right. So, uh, like as I said, Mutant Madness has just kicked off. It's going to run. Uh, through March uh, and even into April because we have so many fucking looks. But just like last year, uh, we're really excited about the voting. We we I honestly have no idea who's going to win this year. None whatsoever. Uh, no, no, I don't know which character. Any any character could win. I have no clue. I will guess it's either going to be Cyclops or Wolverine. I don't trust our audience to, to vote Wolverine, though. And I, by that, I mean I don't want Wolverine to win. Yeah. But X Twitter is not a big fan of Wolverine. But I think it all depends on who votes on Instagram, who votes on Twitter. Yeah, no idea. I think uh, Storm has a great chance of winning. <laughs> Storm comes in yeah. at the 11th Storm, hour. Storm, we were pretty sure, was going to win from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, be sure to vote. That's what I got. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Costumes are available on Mutant Madness. Go check out Twitter. Oh, God. Yeah, so this is our re- regular segment where we dish about the week's gossip, news, and rumors from the worlds of X-Men and MCU, and we get to be extra gay about it because we're annoying gays. <laughs> so on Wednesday... Hey, speak for yourself. Uh, no, we are. <laughs> on Mo- Wednesday, Marvel released their annual Women of Marvel one-shot. Basically, it's an advertisement for upcoming female-centered comics. And features Julia Carpenter's Madam Web, who's the better Madam Web, telling us the near future, including Spider Gwen permanently joining the 616 universe. So I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Her entire universe is going to be dead. Who knows? And Black Cat and MJ as her jackpot character joining forces in another miniseries. And for us, revealing that Rogue and Kate Pride will each be leading an X team after Krakoa. And the single panels were shown Rogue has dressed in her X Men the Animated Series costume, um, leading the similar classic costume Logan, Wolverine. Nightcrawler, and Gambit. Kate Pride, meanwhile, is dressed in an updated Shadowcat costume, leading Emma Frost and multiple thus far unknown silhouetted characters. What do you think about all of this? So uh, the first thing that jumped out at me was, did we ever figure out what the fuck Jackpot was? Because <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know in uh, Dark Web we saw MJ, and she all of a sudden had insane powers where she punches in the air and three slots pick out a random ass power for her yeah yeah and, what, what and, was that and each power um can only be used once and you know she doesn't know which one she's gonna get and there's one that's like death 
So she's kind of hoping she doesn't get the death one. But what did I mean? Like, do we know where where did that? I come forgot from? where the fuck it came from. It's so stupid. Because she, she came from Gambler. She was being mysterious about it. I think she was in in the previous not Gambler. Gambler. <laughs> the previous Black Cat and in. in Jackpot comic. It's very comic. much reminds me of that old DC comic dial H for Hero, uh, where like this person gets a little dial, they whatever they do, they get a different superpower. They have no mm-hmm. idea what it's going to be. I kind of like that. Well, to me, the Jackbox thing felt very much like, oh, you should be in Doom Patrol or something. Yeah, your your power is very very specific, and phenomenally stupid <laughs> and counterproductive at times yeah. too, right? But yeah, let's it, get it, all it says is that she developed powers when she went into that alternate universe with that guy Paul, who was like the guy oh. she had fake kids with and shit. Uh, you know, I, th- I liked Zeb Wells, but thinking about a Spider-Man comic, I kind of wish I didn't remember it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Shadow Cat and uh, Rogue as the two leaders and their potential teams. Uh, on the one hand, I love both characters. On the other. I mean, this is just based on like one or two images and a lot of speculation online. I'm a little underwhelmed. I got to tell y'all, I'm a little underwhelmed. Oh, I also forgot to say there's a, a picture of Storm just like talking. We don't, with, yeah, and Amata, everybody hates yeah. the Mohawk. She's not in the same room <coughs> as the other two, yeah. Mutant President Storm is what she's been called. Yeah, looking very presidential, like at a, at a lectern, essentially. I don't know what mutant president means. I don't know what the composition of these teams are. I think a lot of this is going to be in a lot of the judgment I feel is going to be based off of what is the structure of mutant society post uh, Krakoa. I don't think it's going to be great. Yeah. But I do feel like there's a possibility that, you know, with we've we've seen it, you know, throughout the age of Krakoa. Certain titles stand out, even if others are failing a little bit. I would, I would love to see a rogue storyline with classic characters. You know, feel like old school days by by doing something new. So when Rogue leads the X Men, I generally do like it. Um, you know, I think her my favorite of that is the Supernova storyline that Mike Carey wrote, Chris Bacalo drew mm-hmm. back in the mid two thousand. She really had a ragtag bunch of folks. It's the storyline that introduced the Children of the Vault. I just think um, the synergy that will could exist with like X Men '97 coming back uh, makes me a little nervous that um, all the cool sh- experimental shit we saw during Krakoa is just going to go by the wayside for something that's really much more uh, classic and slightly more pedestrian. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What if what if Krakoa or what if the mutants are like, fine, we can't have Krakoa. Krakoa w- is gone. Don't know where he went. <laughs> we decided to secede, and we formed our own country within some. So it's Texas and California. Yeah. So they like they like become fully MAGA, and they're like, you know what? It's finally the 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 Thirteenth Amendment that I de- outlines the income tax is wrong. We're forming our own nation. Uh, and they have their new headmaster, MAGA Nito. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. So you would support the idea. <laughs> I so did you not agree. say that. So you agree. So you agree. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the Kitty's team, I am excited. Or Kate's team, excuse I'm much, me. Uh, yeah, I'm more interested in that one. Uh, because just uh, Emma being on it yeah. and just uh, the relationship that the two developed during the first Marauders run uh, is is really great. It's one of my favorite uh, character moments from the last five years. What else we got news-wise? Oh, nothing. What's, it, what's in our news bucket? 
the news bucket being checked off as we speak. Also on Wednesday, heavily rumored upcoming X-Men writer Gail Simone posted on her Twitter slash X that she has become fascinated with Monet. So we can chalk that up to being her being on one of the X-Teens. Which one would you want her on? Would you like her on it? How would it work? Uh, I would want her probably to be more on Kate and Emma's team. Just uh, Clark, you even said off pod, like Emma and M just having their kind of bitch off would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't care for each other at all. And, but they're both like this, like, you know, they're both serving cunt. Yeah, and M is most like Emma Frost of any of her students. Uh, but... I was thinking uh, because um, uh, Monet was on the Uncanny Avengers team Mm -hmm. uh, that Rogue is going to try to recreate that a little bit, not with the Avengers characters, so like no Captain America, no Quicksilver, no Deadpool. Uh, So it'll it'll be her, it'll be the two guys, but it'll also be um, um, Monet and it'll be Quanon as well. I think, uh, so I think that team is going to exist. Why, I mean, did... Did Gail just say, oh, seems like Monet's pretty interesting, and then everyone just interpreted that as Monet's going to be on a team? Is that how, do we, is that how we read the team? It, it just seems weird that she would randomly say that the, <laughs> yeah. sa- the, same, the same day that they release this, I- this issue. She's like, I, I think Monet's interesting, and then all of a sudden the stocks for random yeah. companies starts going up yeah, and down. Yeah, the, the Monet futures. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, I was interested in the fact that last week— um, X-Corp. The— some X-Men one-shots came out for Blood Hunt. Yeah. Um, not came out, but were revealed. Yeah. And one is Psylocke, and one is Magic, and one is Jubilee. So I imagine they're all going to be still in play after this. If they're going to be in comics happening at the same time, Yeah. then there's no reason for them not to be included. And Laura as well as yes, the fourth Laura, one. Yes, Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is we talked a little bit about that last week, and they have like half of the Exterminators team, but not the other half. So I'm curious why they didn't pick Boom Boom and Dazzler. I don't know. Fighting because they were fighting vampires in in that last series. Yeah, they don't have swords. That's why. Oh, they don't have swords. All these people are stabbies except, like, except Jubilee. But but Jubilee used to be a vampire. So yeah, they're all weapony, and then Jubilee. Okay, well, you know, disco is a weapon. I I agree. <laughs> okay, <laughs> use the power of music to kill. <laughs> but actually, wait, yeah, because doesn't. She, she turned sound into light. Couldn't she kill vampires that way? Yeah, and also uh, vinyl can be really sharp if thrown <laughs> at like quite a distance. <laughs> no, no one speed. wanted a writer. All right, so in some rumor and, and <laughs> bits and bobs news. A boo, Dazzler. <laughs> yeah, I like Ryan, her. It's I good like thing her. Ryan's not here this week. I like her, whatever. And, and rumor news um, from a source that I said is 80% correct um, all the time is Miles Morales will be appearing in Spider-Man 4 and any upcoming Miles-led live-action properties will be in the MCU just like Tom Holland's movies and not in Sony's shitverse. Did so wasn't Miles created after that Sony deal that where it was where the rights the movie rights for Spider-Man were Ma- uh, Miles was created before that in the comics. Oh okay. Yeah, he was created in like 2010, 2011, give or take and the I think the Sony Marvel deal was like in 2014 or no, 15. No, no, no. Like when Sony got the film rights to Spider-Man and stuff, wasn't that in like in the 90s? Yeah, they got that in the 90s. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Miles Morales would have been after. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. do they have like claim to Spider-related stuff as well? Uh, like, I mean. Well, that, that's weird because with, I just mentioned Julia Carpenter, um, Madam Web. She wasn't a Spider-Man character until. Um, shit, well, something hunt, whatever the fuck it was called. In Craven's the, in Last the, Hunt. Yes. Okay. In the mid two thousands, 
and so she wouldn't have, she shouldn't have been included. She was an Avengers character at first, an X character, then an Avengers character. I thought and she was Spider Woman for a long time, though. She was, but in X Men and Avengers stories only. Yeah, but she, that would still make her a Spider character. Yeah, wouldn't but it? she wasn't part of. She would. She should have been part of the Avengers, like part of it. I don't know. It makes no sense. Who knows? I think it's exciting news. I think of a, of characters that I could see new characters to the MCU that I could see drawing a bunch of people in. Miles is probably up there as like top names uh, along uh, with the Fantastic Four. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he's uh, been the star of two very successful animated movies, uh, one of which mm-hmm. is nominated for an Oscar. Um, and so it just makes sense that they were going to bring in Miles somehow. I wonder if they're going to make him the nephew of uh, Donald, Donald Glover's Glover. character from the first Spider-Man. And, you know, he has that cameo mm-hmm. as the Prowler, uh, a live-action cameo in an animated movie, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the movie broke barriers. And the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and just as a note, um, we already know some of this. The U.S. copyright synopsis have come out for, synopsis have come out for Captain America Brave New, Brave New World, which describes Sam Wilson's Captain America as the man with the plan. And Deadpool Wolverine has officially, uh, that thing has officially said that Emma Corwin will be playing Cassandra Nova, which we all knew, but hasn't, hadn't been official yet. Um, speaking of MCU, by the way, did you hear about, the, uh, I don't know if it's rumor or confirmed yet, that Thunderbolts will not have Thunderbolt Ross, and the team is named after Yelena's yes. soccer team yes. when, <laughs> like she, was a, when she was a kid. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up because it was so, it was. It I was, had to bring it up because it was so stupid. stupid. Spoilers. That's not true. There's no way. What do you mean? It's all over the interwebs. No, that's not, that's crazy. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't they, do that. Who's <laughs> they, Brent? They wouldn't do that. That's crazy. You seem so disappointed and hurt. <laughs> it's just like the desire for. I can understand why you don't name it after Thunderbolt Ross, but could you name it after another character whose nickname was Thunderbolt? Or just lightning. She just sees lightning in the the sky. uh, It doesn't uh, even make sense. Why the fuck would you call this team that when there's so much good lore of the Thunderbolts? It's like they're just shitting on everything. uh, And the description, I mean, I knew this was going to happen. Description sounds very much like DC Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They're on a mission and they might not come they back. They might not come back. You know, the the the, the most expendable ones won't. Did you know uh, that uh, Captain America, the man with the plan, uh, Adamantium Tiamut, is actually a palindrome? <laughs> 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 is, that what's, is that what the name of the god is that's just sticking out of the ground? Yeah, yeah Tiamut. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Palindrome. I didn't know if I got it right. All right, ready to move on? Let's do it. Let's do some MCU Next TV. It's our weekly segment focused on the latest and greatest of the MCU Disney Plus TV shows. All right, so usually it's like regular TV shows. That said, we're killing time until X-Men 97 is released on March 20th. So in the weeks leading up, we're taking a look back to the original uh, 92 animated series to recap the best and worst things of the show with a game we're calling Previously on X-Men. Today, we're talking about our top three best and bottom three worst episodes from the past five seasons. Honorable mentions are Rogue's Screamy episodes, (laughs) Gene's Fainting episodes, Wolverine's Yelling, or Apocalypse announcing his name. Um, Let's stop, start with the top three. Uh, Kalen, uh, just give us share one of your top three and give us like a reason why. Sure. Um, one of them is uh, the episode just called Nightcrawler, and it's season four, episode eight. 
uh, and it shows, uh, you know, Nightcrawler being hunted by Bavarian villagers from the 17th century, even though it's 1994. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, they really are broke they're really <laughs> the, i mean it's like this is the time that land forgot what is their gdp uh you know it's they, they're, they're literally using deutschmarks at this point none but not of, it's pre-deutschmarks none of them have industrialization they're all you know cart pushing assholes but i just love the character nightcrawler so much i wish he was part of the main cast i think he integrated really well and i love that a saturday morning kids show uh dealt with things of you know like somebody dealing with faith and it made somebody like Logan question their faith. I think it was just a really strong, like, one-off episode. That did begin a proud tradition of the show questioning Logan's faith, making him wonder, you know, maybe there is a God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clark, what about you? What's one of your best? I mean, my top two are the ones I've already said are going to be my top two, which were the um, Phalanx Covenant. Great. Yeah, parts one two and two. Part. I just loved the, and then there were none aspect to it. Just the, the amount of weird side characters that were included as the main team. The art was still good because it was supposed to be in season four instead of season five. I mean, I, I don't know. I li- quite liked it. We got our favorite character, Warlock. Uh, Brent's, Brent's favorite we character. We all love him. Uh, we also got a lot of our other favorite character, which we talked about last week, Beast. Yeah. I mean, it was a strong episode for people we shit on last last uh, issue. Uh, for sure. Um, another one of my... What's well, one of your favorites? Uh, I had Intermagneto. Season oh, episode one, three. episode three. I thought... You know what? For an introduction to a character, it certainly was expository. But you got Magneto's whole vibe. Uh, he appeared like a villain and basically set the tone for the character for the rest of the show. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think it was there was any kind of misstep for how anyone was particularly shown. I also love that the title is also an instruction. You better enter Magneto. It's actually yeah, it's a stage <laughs> direction. <laughs> stage there exactly. <laughs> Uh, another one of my favorites is uh, we're getting into some multi-part uh, episodes sure, uh, because those are some of the better ones, I think, as just Clark mentioned with the Phalanx and Covenant. I'm not going to force you to name any particular episode. I will. In your, okay, never yeah. mind. I will force you to uh, name. So uh, One Man's Worth, which is season four, uh, part uh, part one is season four, episode nine. What is that? What? What is that? <laughs> I don't even remember this one. This is the one that's basically Age of Apocalypse, but not Age of Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you get to see, like, Storm and Vol- Wolverine married in this universe. That's right. Uh, I like... In I, the dirt. What? In the dirt. Yeah, in the dirt. Yeah, I just love... I love alternate universes, and I think this one did it pretty well, and it was a lot more succinct than Age of Apocalypse. I liked it. Surely one of the best uh, genuine emotional moments in the show, I think, is having their goodbye, we're lost to, to time synchronize your watches moment yeah 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 what's another one of your favorites clark <laughs> um and i didn't mean it to be the three polaris episodes but it is is <laughs> cold vengeance which when i was uh when i was like in my 20s that was my favorite one because i liked Iceman at the time before he got annoying but i still like him enough and i love they brought an x factor back in they thought that a whole cliche where it's like we can't beat this member of the team so let's switch characters and then we'll beat them which is so dumb but i i love it everybody just rotate <laughs> yeah exactly and then we'll stop them immediately yeah uh well speaking of that family uh the family ties episode in season four uh introduced <laughs> i thought you were <laughs> I thought you were talking about my Silver Spoons episode oh, no, that no, I no, no. years ago. <laughs> Michael <laughs> With J. The monkey. Michael no, yeah. the, the episode is called Family Ties. I'm guessing some relation. Um, but uh, in it, it's got 
Quicksilver. It's got Scarlet Witch. Bofa. And it's got Bofa. <laughs> Bofa D's nuts. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, honestly, I think it's just, it's really great when you have someone that's not part of the core X-Men team featured a lot. Yeah. Um, and I guess my whole thing right now is picking stories with Magneto, so that one has a lot of Magneto in it as well. Uh, my last of the top three was the final part to Beyond Good and Evil, which was the uh, season finale of season four. I also picked Beyond Good and Evil. It's really good. Uh, I think it's like one of those, it's an X-Men crossover done really well. And like, I think they kind of stick the landing with like Apocalypse and like, you know, Magneto teaming up with the X-Men. You know, I, I, I think it was just a well done, like epic storyline. Psylocke being over everyone's shit. Yeah, as she should be. What do you got? Do you want to? Do you have any more? I had my three already. That's great. All right. What about? Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's dig into the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I'm gonna start us off because I know. Is this is this everybody's worst? This is the worst. Yeah. It's gotta be fairy jubilee's yes. fairy tale theater. But that's my, my number Un- one worst. Unwatchable. This is like truly. So we uh, we've shit on that episode so much, and we will continue to shit on it forever. What's what's another one that's at the bottom of the barrel for you? Because I've got twenty five. No, Mojo Vision. <laughs> uh, Mojo Vision is also very bad. My least favorite, except for Fairy Tale Theater, is Externally Yours, which is the one where Gambit and Rogue are in bad. the swamp, and Condra's there, oh, and it's just yeah. a miserable piece of shit. It's so unwatchable. You're like, I have to learn all this like history about a thief about skill? two people oh, we don't God. give three sh- two teams we don't give three shits about. And this goddess has super particular rules for what uh, to give swamp powers? Fuck you. It's horrible. Uh, one of my least favorites is also season five. Season five is you know sure. bo- season, if season four is one of the best seasons, season five is one of the worst, right? So season five, hidden agendas. That's the cannonball one. Where they're stuck in the mines <laughs> yes. of Kentucky. There's no touching me when I'm blasted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hilarious, a camp classic. Classic, excuse me, but not a good episode. Yeah, if you tried to watch that uh, with a straight face, um, you're gonna be disappointed. What about with a gay face? You're gonna be loving it. <laughs> all right, great. <laughs> uh, the the all the the random ass villagers with constantly changing motivations. There, yeah. Yeah, just and it also like, how do you, how dare, how dare you introduce Cannonball and not go immediately into the New Mutants? Um, I also, as far as characterization goes, hated Lotus and the Steel. Uh, season five was like episode thirteen or something. Um, it's where Wolverine has a solo story and he goes to Japan. And oh they yeah, try to tell that whole story arc. It's Silver Samurai, but mm-hmm. you're just left feeling like wh- Wolverine. You've had eight of these solo stories for yourself. This one is the least important of them. Yeah, N- nobody cares. Um, here's a controversial one that I don't really like: Love in Vain, uh, season three, episode nineteen. It's Rogue and Cody. Oh, that's on my list. It's not Wait. good. It's what? like like they 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 sort of introduce yeah 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 that's one of my does yeah. he t- that's the one where he gets turned into a brood right yeah, well, yes yeah, but not colony, but not a brood colony. yeah oh right 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 yeah yeah, yeah call it the brood they yeah. don't call it the brood and it's just like uh, it, it just was not it was a weak episode it just I, did not come I, together I, I hated like there was one cliffhanger in the middle there before a commercial where it was like Cody was scared of something that he saw and I was like that wouldn't have happened had like it was like a misdirect that didn't make sense for the character or what was happening currently. 
Like you were you were working with them. You wouldn't be like, oh no. You're literally working with them. Yeah. You, he was the only one at that moment who saw him. It made no fucking sense. It's like how I hate Frozen number one because um, <laughs> whatever Wait, sorry, his name. Sorry, Frozen with Elsa. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like the bad, whatever the what redhead guy's name. I forgot. Anyway, oh, the bad guy. There's yeah. one moment where he's looking at, at um, Anna lovingly as yeah. she walks away, and why the fuck are you making that face? That's a misdirect. There's no reason you should be doing that face at this very moment. Uh, it's just done for the, the audience. Only yeah. Uh, yeah, and the horse. That's it. It made no sense, and it pissed me off. Well, the horses in those movies are very judgmental and apparently able to communicate his horse, extraordinarily though. effectively. Very intuitive horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, horses in the, you might not know this, but horses in the Pixar universe all talk to each other. Okay, so they they have a language. Uh, say it right. The Pixar multiverse. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I liked about Love in Vain was the moment where Wolverine's inside of the space whale Conti and just starts rubbing its insides. <laughs> wait, I <laughs> wait. Oh, because you prefer Love in Vain. UK, I just like right? someone rubbing my insides. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was there any other bad ones? No, I I mean I don't have any more. I thought that was just. Terrible. Uh, the Archon two, two-parter. Oh, God. I forgot all about the Archon two-parter. It's not good. No. Uh, Why is it two parts? It's not even good enough for one part. Yeah. I mean, Morlock Little Christmas is also quite it's bad. It's bad. <sighs> I, I I'll defend it as a camp classic. It's got so many things wrong in the same way I feel yeah. about Cannonball Town or whatever that episode's <laughs> called. <laughs> <laughs> Cannonballberg. Yeah. Uh that it's it's so bad that it crosses a threshold unlike uh fairy tale theater which like sits perfectly on just yeah. regular bad. I could have watched a whole episode of Gambit and Jean Grey just fighting over uh, That yeah. is the That would have been better. That yeah, seriously it's like your season you don't have any seasoning gene you're putting raisins in everything. So, uh be sure to check out our social media cuz we're going to ask you about your faves, both good and bad. Keep an eye out. Uh, and keep an ear out for coming upcoming weeks where we'll be looking at episodes, quotes, more. If there's some part of the show you want us to rank before the 20th, uh, DM us. Let's move on to some issues. All right. The issues. It's our weekly recap of all things X comics. And this week we've got actually it's a pretty big week. This week we've got Resurrection of Magneto number two, uh, Dead X-Men number two, Cable number two, The Invincible Iron Man number 15, Wolverine number 44, and X-Men Unlimited, number 128. Let's start off with what I think is the best. Uh, Resurrection of Magneto, number two. The writer's Al Ewing. The artist is uh, Luciano Vecchio. So there's a Namor and Magneto flashback from 2020's Giant Size X-Men. Did not expect that to come back. Mm-hmm. And we get a helpful reminder that the Sea Witch uh, gave Magneto a magic key. In the afterlife, Magneto believes he must be penitent for all the lives that he either directly or inadvertently took. Did you remember that key? I had no, to go back I forgot and re- that any of this happened. I had to go back and reread that issue. Did and I reread it recently and I forgot about it. Did they have the, the witch or did he just no, have a key? No, 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 the witch is there. Okay. No, the it's The key's there? And the key's there too. No. <laughs> is Namor there? <laughs> Namor's also there and he's got his face in a conch. What about Magneto? Was he there? <laughs> no, Magneto wasn't there. Uh but no, I mean like what a interesting bit of either like long-term plotting by both uh Jonathan Hickman and Al Ewing. Or Al Ewing just taking like you know kind of like a loose plot thread that Hickman did and just building off. Either way, fucking brilliant, brilliant storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, Magino wants to be penitent. Storm tells him that he's needed back on Earth, and we get a gorgeous info dump splash page about the Hellfire Gala, the fall of X, and where the current X books stand. Uh, and Storm also reminds him of, of all the lives he saved. And he agrees to use uh, Chekhov's key to come back to the land of the living, only to find out that dun dun dun, 
the Shadow King is waiting. This is great news. Like all Brent, all the stocks that Brent invested in are coming up. Yeah. Keys, witches, the mm. Shadow King, regrets. What's a life worth? It's all paying off here in the resurrection of Magneto. I'm loving it. It's great. It's great. What do you think? Clark? I love the wall of like the 65 people he saved versus the oh, yeah. million that he was involved in the, in in the, the city of. of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, now you're fine. You're cool. Look at this. Pay- look at this one. What I loved is uh, Magneto really lamenting like nation building of Krakoa, setting up the three laws, you know, uh, um, sentencing certain mutants to those, you know, uh, for basically breaking the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. I did not expect a reference to the exiles at all. Like, my God, what? Right now, we'll talk about this more, um, that I think the X-Books are really really messy as much as i love certain parts of it this book is the fucking crown jewel it is the shining example Mm. of all great things about this era i think it was very smart to include a line because about the wall of the wall of good deeds that even if it was a thousand times more names than the wall of the lost that that math doesn't you know account you can't just add up dead bodies and say when you end up positive you've done good and I'm glad that Magneto's moral perspective isn't so lost that or that the the story isn't so forgiving of everything he's ever done. Yeah, uh, I kind of when I was reading this in the exile stuff, I was like, wait, the only people they really sentenced were like these six people or and it was a few more with Nanny and stuff. But it just yeah. seemed like they didn't really do much. They didn't really send as many people. Actually, it seems like it was the loss kind of worked. I mean, all of the people they sentenced were for pretty bad reasons. Yeah, but that was only five. <laughs> Out of, out of uh, well, and also they sentenced Sabretooth before they set up the law. That's laws. fine. Yeah. I don't care about that. Yeah, that, I, 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 mean, I, I, a, I still support that wholeheartedly. The sure. crazy, he's murderous unrepen- rapist. He's an unrepentant monster, but they also set it up before. They Tot- sent him down there before they set up the law. Listen, don't don't get me too excited about this combo. But <laughs> uh, I completely forgot Toad took the fall. I really liked. Yeah, I yeah. liked that. My favorite part was was him lamenting the fact that he really sadly screwed over toad even though toad said he wanted to He's do like, it oh and then toad he'd do whatever i said and he oh, really wants to fuck <laughs> fuck scarlet witch <laughs> yeah. for the last 50 he wants years. to bang my daughter and this May. is how Six. good this book is it makes trial of magneto look good in retrospect <laughs> yeah. really, which was, that really is true uh which is like god damn it al ewing i'm gonna miss you so fucking much and also luciano who an artist i've loved for a very long time i didn't think he had the chops to take on a book as what i would call as serious or as uh, momentous as this but he's really like i don't know just like i think it's more like just like a difference in style because i think that part of vecchio's look is kind of like uh it's uh, symbolic it's it kind of like spider-man eyes i think for a lot of the design yeah and i think that having the grounded you know more realistic look that these x-books often call for I think he does. He's doing a great job. Oh, it's phenomenal! Absolutely phenomenal. Anything else on this book? No. All right, let's move on. Dead X Men number two. Uh, writer is Steve Fox, and we've got three artists: Peter Nguyen, Bernard Chang, and Guillermo Sana. So it's a, in the parallel series to Rise of the Powers of Ten. The Dead X Men team continue to find leads about stopping Enigma and changing their future. Thanks to comic book science, they decide and convince Ascani not only to go back to more the Moira engine timelines, but Moira's actual past lives we'll get back to that in a second they travel they travel to her seventh life where ultron has run amok thanks to uh, hank pym's bigotry and headmistress emma frost makes the ultimate sacrifice 
trying to protect her mutant students. So if you remember, Moira's seventh life is when she became all, like, badass assassin, taking out, like, all the Trasks before they could build the Sentinels. Yeah. Only to see that AI came out anyway. Uh, a dimensioning, a dimension-hopping cyborg Moira jumps from her eighth life to her seventh uh, to cause even more havoc. Her eighth life was when Moira teamed up with Magneto. Uh, so just to keep everything straight here. How do you, d- did you remember that before, or like was it because you reread? All I remembered these? it before. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, Mike, I'm, yeah, something happened in the fifth life. I, uh, Brent, you know, wait, I majored in Moira's ten lives. On, quick, what happened in the third life? Third life is when she gets burned alive. What happened in seventh? Uh, seventh sixth <laughs> sixth life is when they go in the far future and the Wolverine has to kill her in the in like powers of ten. All right, you are my good. my favorite thing about this issue was the fact that when Adam wrote the um the synopsis down, he wrote a skank instead of a skani. A <laughs> <laughs> skank. Uh, oh, thank you, Adam. And also, he's not here to defend himself, so I love that even more. So the issue ends with the team being resolved to stop Moira by any means necessary. Dead X Men, last stand. Yes. Yeah, we got to kill a child. That's the only way we can solve our problems. Uh, yeah, isn't that what the Supreme Court said? That, yeah. <laughs> um, this, I, so the last time we talked about Cyborg Moira from her eighth life, we did mock her hatchet, her hatchet of destiny that had like, oh, it's got adamantium, it's got vibranium, it's got thallium, it's it's coated in borax. Uh, this hatchet has it all. Uh, I kind of like her just running between uh, lifetimes and hatcheting people in the face. What I want to know, and I I shouldn't think about it too much and just enjoy the ride, is those lives are gone. Like, how are they jumping to those lives? I mean, I get the Moira engine part of it all because those are artificially generated. Yeah, they're not alternate universes. They're not. Yeah, yeah. They're not alternate universes. Yeah, so how are they jumping to her? They They happened. They like did happen, so like if you're in no this, there's no point in trying to explain this because it doesn't make sense. Not real, you're yeah. outside of time and space, so like if you could imagine all those lifetimes being in a row, it is like going backwards oh, on the train. You know what? It's the white this. hot room. Yeah, that's all you needed to say. White hot room. I it's forgot a, about it. It's that. a white hot room. It's a white hot room moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. It's white hot room summer. Yeah. I really like Steve Fox, but I hate this book. I don't. I don't like Moira. I don't give a shit about her mini lives anymore. None. I don't. It's just not interesting enough for me. The characters. I like. I like Dazzler. I like um, Prodigy. I like all of them. But it's just not doing it for me at all. I think my problem is uh, I like elements of it. Um, I think right now the X Office is kind of a jumbled mess. When you're when you are telling a story that is this sort of non-linear. You're jumping around not only from like university of universe, but time like timelines and past lives. Things have to be ordered in such a right way. Like when Hickman was doing, you know, uh, House of X: Powers of Ten, uh, Marvel very smartly said, "These are the only two X books running right now. This is the story we're going to tell. It's going to be complex. You're going to have to reread it many times. Yeah. But I promise you, it will make sense." By running so many X books at this same time, and they're all kind of happening in different timelines or different uh, phases. Yeah, it's making it like, well, wait a minute, when is this supposed to be happening? Where is this supposed to be happening? And I'm really am losing the thread. Maybe when I go back and reread it in the order it's meant to be read, I will enjoy it more. But reading it week for week, I'm getting whiplash. I will say, in defense of Fox, comma Steve. 
Um, <laughs> this is not his fault. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Story's fault. Uh, Moira, you know, since her heel turn, has not been in a good spot as a character. Correct. And it seems like a lot of writers are trying to figure out what direction to take her. The only unified direction I can see is that Moira's kind of out for herself. Got to come out on top, Moira. I'm okay with that as a motivation for any character, but it's disappointing always for this character in particular. So I think that as far as like, hey, I've got a time travel fight against someone with that attitude, I think the story works and the character is fun, but I have to block out in my mind the portion of the story that I that, that happened before Inferno. Uh, that's a fair point. I kind of enjoyed her in last week's Rise of the Powers of 10, number two, uh, where she and Enigma look like they're about to make a deal. Because I think that's something that's kind of interesting yes. to me. Uh, I am, I'm intrigued by where that goes. But that kind of nuance isn't in this book. It's just her being a one-dimensional, you know, murdering cyborg going from timeline to timeline or life and life to, like, you know, basically do some, like, nasty shit. I mean, we've got uh, the all the saber-tooths and we've had many other councils of, like, heroes and stuff. I like the idea of, like, you know, our villain not being the worst villain, that they are trying to stave off other worst versions of themselves, and it's kind of like Kang and Loki. But I think it would be interesting if our Moira maybe had that as a part of her motivation. Like, in every lifetime, yeah. I become a monster. This is the one that I'm trying to save because if I'm able to help mutants survive, then that somehow keeps me in check. Right. And so by trying to stave off the monster, I become a monster. Yeah. It's very, you know. I wish that because Rise and this one are so tied into the fact that now we're getting um, the Dominion and everything through Moira and, and the interactions, and then just the fact that this is their plan, the two books' plan, it, if it was a longer form miniseries and this was part of it, uh, it would feel much better. To I me. agree. Yeah. This One is just fractured strange. It's all fractured strange. And it's like, again, uh, as we're getting into the rest of the X-Books this week, there's a lot of whiplash. So let's move on. Uh, cable number two, writers Fabian Nicieza, artist Scott Eaton. In their mission to stop the neocracy, the Cables uh, face off against Grey Gargoyle and discover just how deep the Parvenu conspiracy goes. They head to Florida and eat a lot of key lime pie and eventually gross. discover that their enemy... I like key lime pie. That's gross. Y'all are both wrong. I like conch fritters, though. I don't like conch fritters because I can't have Love them. them. And eventually they discover their enemy is none other than Amanda Mueller, a.k.a. the Black Womb. Clark, who is she? She is Scott Summers' great-great-grandmother. No shit. What? Yeah. Really? It's, yeah. Okay. It's all just a wild mess. I mean, I Amanda Mueller slash the Black Womb Project and everything is just so strange. And w it like they bring her in for a while and forget about her for ages and bring her in again. Um, I don't know. I just I'm fascinated with how bizarrely connected slash disconnected the whole storyline is. It's like incredibly important, but not important at all. Well, that's the thing. It's a fun story, and I think that um, Fabian Nicias is writing a very fun old school type storyline. Yeah. I like the way he writes Cable. I like the interaction of the two Cables. I'm just wondering how this is all connected. What the hell does this have to do with anything? Yeah, what, I, I do love it, but what like it just feels very much its own thing right now, which is not the worst thing in the world. But like, shouldn't all the X books that are happening concurrently in the timeline tie into one another? Yeah. Well, I, they did give mention 
uh, well, the uh, other guys are fighting Orcas and stuff, so I've got to do this mission on my own. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Also, yeah, why wouldn't C- Cable, like, the man from the future be like, no, 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 y'all got this. You don't need me. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what um, does that mean? He can't tell them anything because otherwise that might change the future. I do. Well, I don't want to backseat right on this, but I do kind of wish that when he gave Grey Gargoyle the techno-organic virus that ate through his Grey Gargoyle-ness, <laughs> that it, like, didn't stop and that it just consumed <laughs> the guy and he accidentally killed Grey Gargoyle. That's great. I love that. That's so good. I also love his, like, little, uh, you know, like, 1940s bombshell scantily clad, like, AI in his arm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's, she's great. Love her. Love her. Anything else on Cable? Has he always had that same bombshell? No. No, it okay. switches up every now and then. Okay. Uh, all right, let's move on. Invincible Iron Man number 15. The writer is Jerry Duggan. Artist is uh, Kreese Lee. Uh, the new Mr. and Mrs. X face off against the terrifying assassination attempt while the secret of the mutant Mysterium Armada is revealed. Tony Stark gets uh, not one, but two brand new armors this issue, and they look fine. Uh, unless Orcus are on another satellite, this issue takes place before the fall of House of X, but after Wolverine and definitely after X-Force. Marvel editorial, get your shit together. Next issue, it's the ultimate battle between Iron Man and Phalong. Sentinel Smasher. Buster. Buster, yeah. whatever. What, Sentinel Smasher sounds better. It does. Sm- yeah, it's alliterative. Are you guys disappointed that the plan all along was to just make a larger suit of armor? Uh, I, I know he's I, Iron I, Man, but... This, it, it, this <laughs> is expected. It's a little... It's He's a fighting l- giant robots, so he has to become a giant I robot. A giant er robot, yes. I don't know. I thought it could have been It could have been something clever. Yeah, I don't know. Just it's a bigger one to fight in the outback. <laughs> I mean, I think my favorite moment is when Kingpin goes, hands him a poker oh, to, like, yeah. fight up, <laughs> fight the, uh, fight, like... Uh, his the, his the, Mysterium the, Cane. The Mysterium Cane, that's yeah. right. Fighting, uh, fighting, like, the not Wolverine. Yeah, the Sentinel Wolverines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that I do love about this book is how the story has been uh, Tony Stark narrating all along as part of his autobiography and that it's being submitted to be released in a year. Yeah. The thing I like about that is that it exists as an, an outside separate record of the mutants, Krakoa, their history and their contributions. I hope that it doesn't just get dropped and never forgets about it, but that maybe it has some public discourse ramifications when the truth comes out through this memoir. Oh, yeah, kind of like, uh, I don't know, like the secret files of, like, um, Deep Throat or something, something like that. Something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that satellite they were on, that was the bloom, right? Yeah, yeah. The one that got yeah. destroyed in last week's... Yeah, like 30 seconds later, uh, Polaris is showing up with a head full of cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giving the worst blowjob possible. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, let's move on. Wolverine. I do, I do want to oh, say sorry. one thing. I like the fact that Orcas just hates each other. They don't care about what anyone else is like upset about. Yeah. Like, Phalong has to go do this, and, and Dr. Sace is like, fuck you. All right, go. It's a lot of people who realize they they agree high level on a concept, but none of them agree about execution. It's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the it's the final days of the Trump presidency. They're like... Burn the papers. We got to find a way to keep in power. They don't agree on strategy. They hate each other. They're too busy fighting with each other because they're like, no, you're not burning the papers the right way. (laughs) Exactly. No, no, no. Burn faster. Yeah. Yeah, Burn harder. All right. Moving on. Wolverine number 44. Writers are Victor Laval and Benjamin Percy. 
Artist Corey Smith, uh, the Saber War, uh, Sabertooth War continues as tensions flare among our heroes. Uh, Sabertooths are captured, and Logal, Logan, why did I say Logal? Logan juggles his guilt and revenge while getting stapled back together. Captain Sabretooth, he's the one that looks like Captain America, gets interrogated uh, inter- first by Sage oh God. and then by Phoebe. Take a breath, girl. <laughs> interrogated. Uh, interrogated. Interrogated. First by Sage and then by Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then by Phoebe, it's a real good cop time cop dynamic that these two have. Uh, Phoebe gets the exposition from their prisoner, and she gets knocked out by some psychic malware. Fun. And we discovered that Kid Omega is trying to contact her. He's alive after all, as we saw from the previous issues. Wolverine decides to do what he does best, and what his best is is when he's alone, except for when he's on several teams at once. I can't do this with you. I can't let you get into this war. I've got to fight this war on my own. Steals a ship, valuable resources, goes off and does his own thing. Yeah. I go where I want to go. What are y'all thinking? Once it got past the let's murder everybody part, I do like the storyline now. The last two issues. The yeah. First, the first two I just hated. It was just gory. Yeah, it was just, just like like torture just, porn. Just, yeah, exactly. Just mean. I've got nothing new to say about this. I'm a, I'm an okay fan of it. Already, mm-hmm. I think Victor Laval is a great writer. Yeah. I do like his version of Creed, but I also feel like I, the issue you've been having about order chronology, it's catching up to me when this is coming out so slowly and there's so many parts. The thing that annoys me is this could have been the storyline, his storyline during Fall of X. Yeah, like what was I don't remember the Wolverine issues during like Fall of X while all those miniseries were going on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and like. If they wanted to do this like before, um, you know, fall of the House of X and Rise of Powers at ten, that could have been it last fall. To do it now just seems it's losing, it's losing uh, any of its impact or agency. All right, our last comic of the week. It's X Men Unlimited number one twenty eight. The writers are the Steves. That's Steve Fox, Steve Orlando. The artist is Nick Roche. Captain Britain, Richter, and Shadowstar escape from the burning mutant orphan uh, orphanage while Celine puts her endgame into motion. And thank God she showed up because she's literally the only interesting external. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything to say about this issue. <laughs> it's just a big old fight scene. Well, I just feel like these, maybe we should go back to reading like chunks of these because I don't feel like enough happened to really discuss. We only got another four months of them. Just let them, let them finish. Uh, Three the, uh, <laughs> poor, poor Richter was burned. That's it. Yeah, That's all I feel. His new code name is Burn Victim. His beautiful yeah. face. Oh my, yeah. God, my boy. My, <laughs> my beautiful boy. My beautiful boy. Yeah, there's not much more to say. I mean, it's, it's a perfectly competent storyline. I enjoy it. Love seeing Celine. Nick Roach is a fun artist. It's good. It's just let's see more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that noise means that we're wrapping things up with Plug Me Daddy, where each of us is going to quickly highlight something. That we've read, seen, heard, talked about, shared, consumed, and thought, you know, more than before the episode, what we wanted to tell people about so they could consume. <laughs> Galen, what have you got? Baby, Prestige TV is back. I watched the first two episodes of Shogun on FX, uh, FX Hulu, and it's as good as everyone says it is. Uh, it is a beautiful show. 
Um, it was a novel that came out in the mid-70s. They did a TV miniseries on NBC in the early 80s mm-hmm. that was very white savior-centric, uh, starring Richard Chamberlain. This is not that. While the initial POV character is a British sailor on a Dutch ship uh, coming to Japan, uh, it is very much uh, Game of Thrones-style, different POVs of several uh, Japanese characters. And what I love is it's subtitled, baby. It is Japanese actors speaking Japanese to one another. And when you hear English, most of the time it's actually Portuguese because it deals with, like, the Portuguese settlers. Wait, wait, what does that mean? Meaning, like, when you... He- <laughs> Most of the time when you hear English, it's actually Portuguese. Meaning... No, that's not your, me you're understanding. I'm speaking Portuguese I'm right speaking now. Portuguese, but Brazilian Portuguese, not Portugal Portuguese. Uh, the reason I said that is because it deals with a historical fact that Portugal was the first uh, European empire to make it to Japan to set up trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they didn't tell the Japanese, but they uh, didn't tell the English that so yeah. they all felt they were speaking English. Wait, so they, but, th- but they speak in English. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's Portuguese. It's not, you it's just not also in subtitles. N- yeah. So you're not oh, getting two. It's not, you're not getting two subtitle languages. You're basically, all right. you're, when you hear English, it's, it's the English character speaking Portuguese to one another, mm-hmm. okay. or it's the European character speaking Portuguese right. to one another. What I love about it is they deal with like all the intra-European battles between the Catholics and the Protestants. Uh, and then you have like a this lot is, of... You're only two episodes in. It's fantastic. Okay. It's really rich. All right. It's very, it's violent, but the violent is not gratu- the violence is not gratuitous. It is used sparingly. It's such a good show. Definitely watch it. Clark, what do you have? Mine is this TV show on um, HGTV called Hometown. It's about this couple... Um, it's eight seasons so far um, about this couple who live in this small town in Mississippi, Laurel, Mississippi, and they're trying to like fix their town. And so basically every episode is them like refurbishing someone's house Mm -hmm. and the houses are like going for $35,000 and stuff like that. You're like, what the fuck is is, is this town? And it's the, they make gorgeous work. They're really nice people and they're silly, but in a way that's not like cloyingly annoying. Mm -hmm. And the best thing about it is it feels like there's like a myth. There is eight seasons. So there's like a mythology there. So like one episode I saw recently was them like refurbishing and making a house into a coffee shop. And then I saw another episode randomly skipped three seasons just to check something else out. And it was, they brought that back. They actually talked to somebody else in the coffee shop. The next person was like working. They lived next door to the coffee shop. And like, it was just, it's just very interesting how it's all connected and very cute. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, my plug is for a show that is on. Wait, how can people watch that? on HGTV. Okay. It's on it's currently on Sundays is the new episodes, but then it's on 4 days a week just like random four episodes in a row. And Shogun is on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Well, FX. I've Hulu. got a FX Hulu plug as well. Oh. Um do you like a gay man being absolutely cruel to a bunch of white women? Yes. <laughs> then you should check out Feud, Capote versus oh, the Swans. Truman yeah. Capote goes out of his way to ruin a bunch of women's who he call a bunch of women who he calls his friends lives by writing about them. It's great. Truman Capote is such a bitch, and Tom Hollander is a great Truman Capote. Tom Hollander is Truman yeah. Capote? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. All right. All right, that's been our episode. You listened to it. You made it all the way through. Uh, here's some last plugs for us collectively. Uh, check out Madam Web. That's out. We're also going to have our review of or discussion of the Ultimates. Uh, coming out on Monday, March, whatever, 4th. 4th. 
And uh, if you're in town for March 9th, come to trade. Come come join us for House of X2. You can dance. You can kiss boys or kiss no one. You can look at some fun clips we've got of all the X-Men properties that we've, you know, we're using unlicensed. <laughs> um, Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell also, anyone. Somehow I'm always implicating us in a crime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Check us out uh, on uh, uh, Home Spirit X Twitter at sorry, Twitter Home Spirit X Instagram Home Spirit Podcast. That's where you can vote for Mutant Madness. You've got to vote. Your vote counts. Your life depends on it. I've come around on my platform of you shouldn't vote on every platform to you should vote on every platform. And the, the platform. The best thing about our voting is you can't vote on committed. That's been our episode. All right. Goodbye. Bye.